More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the White House is at it again, telling you that if you want to go out there and enjoy the holidays, you better get boosted, you better get vaccinated. That's the only way to have a safe holiday from covid Joining us now is the man standing there next to Dr. Fauci, White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha. He and Fauci were both there that briefing, as we noted. And, and Dr. Jha, when it comes to these boosters, I know that you're on a booster push right now. CNN's Betsy Klein was reporting on this yesterday. But when it comes to this push, people want to know how long this protection is going to last with these new boosters. What can you tell them? Yeah. So good morning. And first of all, thanks for having me back. Um, here's what we know. Uh, we know that these new updated vaccines are far superior to the prior vaccine that we had. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Because these new vaccines target the version of Omicron that's out there. So that's sort of fact number one. Fact number two that we know is that if people are up to date on their vaccines, they don't end up in the hospital. They don't end up dying, especially if they get treated, if they have a breakthrough infection. So we're now at a point where we can protect people from serious illness. And, you know, how long are these things going to last? Well, the benefit, certainly for a majority of people from serious illness, should probably last a close to a whole year. Uh, for some high-risk people, it might last a little bit lo- uh, less time. We may need to do a, uh, something else for the highest-risk people, maybe in, later in the spring or summer. But if you want to get through the holidays safely, if you want to avoid getting really sick during the holidays, This is the single most important thing that you can do. But that plan and your outlook for the holidays really relies on people getting the boosters. So far, only 35 million people in the U.S. have gotten one of those revised shots. They really want you to get it. You need to stop what you're doing for the holidays and you need to get boosted, folks. Now, why are they coming out saying this? Um, They're saying it because they need you to believe it. White House COVID coordinator also said COVID and the flu vaccines are terrific. They're not 100% at preventing infection, but they're going to prevent you from getting seriously ill. So you need to do it to protect grandma. I got nothing. You got nothing? I got a question for you. Uh, when it comes to the question of the confluence of all three of these, if, if someone gets the flu and then a week or two later gets COVID, does that make their case of COVID more severe? Well, it's a really good question. I mean, we have seen co-infections. Thankfully, they're not very common. Uh, but obviously, you know, flu can really knock you down. And if you're still recovering from the flu and then get another uh, infection on top of that, it certainly makes it much, much harder. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. The, the key here is to try to avoid these things. If you're going to get infected, if you look, these vaccines are terrific. They're not 100 percent at preventing infection, but they are going to prevent you from getting seriously ill. So even if you uh, get the flu or COVID, if you've been vaccinated, you're going to have a much, much easier time. So you're not seeing a lot of, of cases where people are having that combination. 
Not yet. Not yet. And I'm hopeful that we will not. I mean, look, it can happen. We've seen it with other viruses where you can get co-infection. Uh, but we're obviously hopeful that that's not going to become a major problem. Yeah, of course, big, big concern. And I, I know you said yesterday a lot of the reason that people are getting more flu, more RSV is because they've been protected from those ah. mitigation measures that we've seen over the past few years. Dr. Jean, as always, thank you for answering our questions this morning. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. You guys too. Good to see you. There it is. You gotta, if you want to go get Thanksgiving or Christmas, you got to go get vaccinated. That's the only safe way to do this now. And without you guys doing this, then, then there's going to be real problems. You know, Dr. Fauci was out there yesterday um, really pushing this. Still sounding like it was 2022, or excuse me, like 2020 instead of 2022. Hannity made a great point about this last night. Take a listen. All right, at the White House today, finally, Dr. Anthony Fauci gave what was billed as his final briefing from the White House podium. And if you watched it, you might have thought that the year is 2020. Take a look. Everybody should be vaccinated and boosted with flu and with COVID. Whether or not you wear a mask or another thing we shouldn't underestimate is testing. So when we're gathering at a family gathering for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for any other holiday as we get into the winter, it makes sense that you might want to get a test that day before you come into a place. I know sometimes when you walk in and you have a mask and nobody has a mask, you kind of feel guilty. You shouldn't feel guilty. You look terrific. My message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium, (laughs) is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, Get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible. This is the guy that said masks don't work and then said one mask and two masks and masks maybe in perpetuity. Um, A guy that said if you get the vaccine, you're never going to get COVID. But things really went off the rails when a reporter from the Daily Caller tried to ask Fauci about the origins of COVID-19. Corinne Jean-Pierre didn't appreciate the question. And, well, all hell broke loose. Take a look. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell and you're being you're being you're being disrespectful to your colleagues and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is a disrespectful. It is. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. You're done. Canceled. Anyway, while Fauci is retiring at the end of the year, after decades of high-paying government service, he will still have to face House Republicans for questioning in the new year. So you better get ready to testify. They're not done yet. Anyway, here with reaction. I love this, right? Like you've, you've got this. Uh, we want to ask a question about the origins of COVID. She jumps in. You can't yell. You're being rude. You're being disrespectful. You can't have that. We can't have this conversation. Right. That's what you're doing. You don't understand. You're not allowed to do these things. You're being rude and you're being disrespectful. That's their line. Rude and disrespectful. I'm done with you. I'm done. Welcome to this White House. You have a legitimate question to ask. We won't let you ask it. You have a question to Dr. Fauci, this final briefing about the origins of COVID. We won't allow you to ask that question either. That's your White House.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. All right, so we've got the full clip of the chaos that ensued, uh, and it was pretty interesting to hear, uh, at the White House. This at Dr. Fauci's last press conference, okay? I'm going to play for you part of this insanity just so you can hear it again. This is the final White House press conference for Dr. Fauci as he's leaving that position. Take a listen. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being, you're, being, you're being disrespectful to your colleagues and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I th- I'm done. I'm not going. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Dr. Fauci, um, but, but she's only, only thirty. You question. You should allow her to ask me. It is not. your turn. It is not your turn. You can read the press briefing. You need to call from people like. Across the room, she has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person. I, to I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is the disrespectful. It, it is. I'm done, Simon. I'm done. I'm Simon. I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Dr. Fauci, um, but, but she's only, she's only third grade question. You ask your question, you should allow her to ask me. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. You can read the press briefing. You need to call from people across the room. She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the I, I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. We're not doing this the way you want it. Chaos, the White House press conference. I'm done with you. White House press secretary snaps, attacks reporter trying to question Dr. Fauci on the origins of COVID. I'm not doing this with you. You're not going to get what I what you want I'm not going to let him answer that question. We have precious time. He must leave. This is Dr. Fauci's last White House press conference, and this is how it went. You could hear, by the way, the media, you know, how dare you talk to us that way? I do make, I laugh because they have built up these individuals. Um, Jean Pereira, the, the White House press secretary, they built her up. They have turned her into this celebrity the same way they did with the last white house press secretary and then they're shocked when they don't get to ask a a question a tough question that they want to ask and not only do they are they shocked they literally freak out they're like well hold on a second he's the best person to ask last press conference running out the clock deal with it 
And then we will tell you to shut up and we'll tell you to sit down and we'll tell you to be quiet. Because that's what we do in the White House press office. We tell you to shut up, we tell you to sit down, and we tell you to be quiet. That's how we roll, folks. That's how we do things here. How dare you think you get to actually ask real questions or tough questions. We don't let that happen here. We don't do that here. You know, do you know who I am? That's basically what she's saying. Do you, do you have any idea who I am? You, you can't just come in here and ask a question. This is the disrespect of it is. I'm done, Simon. I'm done. I'm Simon. I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're taking time away from your colleagues. Go ahead. I love how she tries to turn people against their own colleagues. You're taking time away from your colleagues. In other words, she's looking at the room, saying, "You better put. You better get your boy in line, right? You better get you 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 better get your people in line." You better shut up and you better get them in line because this is now where we are. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Arizona governor-elect Katie Hobbs uh, has made it clear she is not happy with Joe Biden on the border crisis issue. Sounding like a Republican this morning on CNN, not a Democrat. And one of the big Arizona issues, governor-elect, is the border and immigration. And so when it comes to that, what's your intent on that? Are, Are you going to how different is your border policy going to look from your predecessor, from Doug Ducey's. Are you going to reverse anything that he did on that front? Well, look, as a border state, Arizona has certainly borne the brunt of decades of inaction from both parties in Washington. We need real action on immigration reform. We need real border security. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I, you know, a lot of things that, that Governor Ducey has done, putting migrants on buses to Washington, D.C., uh, placing shipping containers at the border are really political stunts at the expense of taxpayer dollars, uh, where we could really be using those dollars where they're meaningful, providing meaningful relief and border communities that are feeling the effects of 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 um you know crime at the border and i I have a border plan that's been endorsed by two border sheriffs um it's one of the things at the top of my agenda to talk to the president about uh in terms of bringing real security to our state and the border and on that front uh, about speaking to the president do you want him to visit the border do you think his administration is doing enough when it comes to the border uh, I've said this. Uh, I don't think they're doing enough. I would love to have them visit and see firsthand uh, the kind of uh, support and relief that folks uh, in these communities need from the federal government. Governor-elect, do you have a message for your opponent who is keeps spreading these election denial conspiracy? I love how immediately she says this about the border not doing enough. And then they're like, do you, do you have anything about the you know, election deniers, right? That's that. They don't do a single follow-up question. Instead, they go into this. Governor-elect, do you have a message for your opponent who is keeps spreading these election denial conspiracies, um, much as you know the former president did 
she's doing it locally as he is doing it nationally. That has to, that will also affect um, how you govern and your mm -hmm. legislative agenda, I'm sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, I'm not focused on what my my former opponent is doing. I'm focused on uh, all the things we need to do to get ready to to lead on day one of my administration. But this kind of political record rhetoric, um, these false accusations, they need to stop because many people across the state of Arizona and across the country are being misled by these so-called political leaders and their rhetoric is dangerous and it's leading to threats and violence and it needs to stop. More, more questions about that than about the actual security at the border, which is actually costing people their lives. They'll go, in, they'll go into the rhetoric they say is dangerous, right? That's what they'll say. The real danger coming across the border, the people that are dying of fet from fentanyl overdoses, the people that are dying from the cartel members coming across the border, criminals, violent criminals coming across the border, one question about that, right? Move on quickly. Don't ask any more questions. Got to go as fast as we can. We got to get back to the election denier stuff because that's where the real story is. In fact, that's where they went next. Let's talk about election deniers, right? Let's not talk about border safety. No, we'll go to election denial. Welcome back to CNN this morning. Disturbing news that we have learned, and that is that the one of the top election officials in Arizona's largest county was taken to an undisclosed location on election day for his own safety. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates spent election night at a secure location under police protection because of a specific threat made to him online. He is still receiving increased security. Gates, a face you've seen a lot on this network, is a Republican who first gained notoriety for pushing back against Trump's election lies centered on Arizona in 2020. He has continued to refute election lies spread by some of his fellow Republicans, including the losing gubernatorial candidate in Arizona, Carrie Lake. Joining us now is Arizona Secretary of State and Governor-elect Katie Hobbs. Governor, congratulations and good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you as well. Your reaction to this news that we just learned about Republican you know, election official in your state, Bill Gates. Yeah, I mean... I think Arizonans and Americans sent a strong message to these election deniers that we're ready to move on. But unfortunately, they are still ginning up these uh, attacks on uh, those responsible for our elections uh, based on their false allegations. Uh, and um, they're, they're uh, basically just being a sore loser. And um, we cannot tolerate it. This has to end. And, um, you know, I think we we survived a lot in this last election. We um, we helped save democracy, but uh, it's not over. And we have to continue to be vigilant and hold these folks accountable for their dangerous political record re rhetoric that is causing this kind of threat. You have a wide open border. Election deniers, they, they're focused on, right? That's number one. Then they're focused on the rhetoric. Then they're focused on the guy going into hiding on election day. They're not focused on all the people dying of fentanyl, which means they don't care. This is all political BS. That's all it is. It's all political BS. And everybody, by the way, knows it. But they sit there and they keep acting like you know, well, we've got a, these election deniers. We've got to really focus on these election deniers. These election deniers. Over and over again. They're never going to let this go, right? Because they think this is something to seize on. They want the world to believe this is their goal. This is their objective. 
Okay, they want the world to believe that only Republicans are the ones that refuse to, to, to concede elections. Democrats have been saying Donald Trump was an illegitimate president the entire time that Donald Trump was there. Never, ever, 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 ever forget that. Never forget that. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. All right, real quick, I want to tell you about my good friends over at Legacy Precious Metals. With the economy uh, really and inflation out of control and the stock market taking horrific losses, the NASDAQ down uh, more in one month than we've seen back in 2008 was the last time it was this bad. You may be looking at your financial portfolio and you're sick to your stomach. You're not alone. The question is, if you are not diversified in precious metals as part of your financial portfolio, then what would it look like now? Maybe if you would have been. It's not too late, by the way, to take advantage of gold and silver. It is a hedge against inflation. And it's a way for you to diversify your IRA, your 401k, your investment portfolio. If you've never looked at gold and silver, there's actually no better time than right now. Now, I've been investing in gold and silver for, gosh, almost 20 years. Uh, I've used it as a percentage of my strategy to protect myself. So on the worst days on Wall Street, Usually, they're not as bad for me as they are for others. Call Legacy Precious Metals and see what they can do for you. Call and get the free investor's guide right now. 1-866-751-2218. 1-866-751-2218. Get the free investor's guide. You can also go online to LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Also, with our podcast, don't forget to hit that auto-download button now so you can get this podcast every day automatically for free. Trump's growing GOP challengers revive fears of a 2016 repeat. I don't know if that's a fear because in 2016, I think everything worked out pretty all right for Donald Trump, did it not? Yeah. Associated Press wanting you to freak out this morning, saying, quote, memories of the tumultuous 2016 Republican primary hung over the Las Vegas ballroom this weekend during the first major gathering of the party's potential contenders for the 2024 nomination. No fewer than four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten White House prospects stepped onto the stage to pitch their plan to fix the nation and their party. The details varied, but within most speeches was an extraordinary sense of defiance rarely seen since former President Donald Trump seized control of the Republican Party six years ago. The AP goes on to write their central message, Trump can and should be beaten. Nikki Haley, the former ambassador of the United Nations under Trump, pledged in April that she wouldn't challenge the former president if he ran again. But Saturday night, facing hundreds of cheering Republicans, she vowed to give a thousand percent to a White House bid if she decides to get in. I've never lost an election, and I'm not going to start now, she said, as the crowd roared. 
But as the donors and activists who gathered for the Republican Jewish Coalition's two-day leadership conference applauded, perhaps no one was cheering louder than Trump himself from his Florida estate. Trump's team believes, as do a growing number of anxious donors and Republican operatives, that the GOP's emboldened 2024 class may already be unintentionally recreating the conditions that enabled Trump's success in 2016. That year, a crowded Republican field splintered the primary electorate and allowed Trump to become the party's presidential nominee despite winning just 35% or less of the vote in each of the three opening primary contests. In the earliest days of the 2024 season, the 2016 parallels, the AP writes, are eerie. As then, Trump is viewed with suspicion within his party. His standing weakened considerably after several loyalists lost winnable races in the month's midterm elections. And most of all, a parade of ambitious Republicans lining up to take him on. A small but growing group of Republican operatives are warning Trump's critics that the only way to defeat him is to rally behind a much smaller group of alternatives. Eric Levine, a New York-based donor who attended the weekend gathering, called on his party to embrace no more than two or three candidates and to move with real urgency, saying, quote, I don't think we have the luxury of waiting. He raised millions of dollars for Republicans in recent years and began speaking out against Trump only after the midterms saying, quote, if he becomes a Republican brand, the party is going to be destroyed, referring to Donald Trump. For now, at least Trump's rivals don't appear to be heeding his warning. The most popular alternative to Trump is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He isn't likely to enter the race until the late spring, his allies say. But in his keynote address Saturday night, he left little doubt that 2024 was on his mind. He said, quote, in times like these, there is no... Substitute for victory, DeSantis said, citing over and over his overwhelming midterm success in Florida. We've got a lot more to do, and I have only begun to fight. And in a series of interviews, several other would-be Republican candidates and their aides indicated they would likely wait until next spring or summer to enter the race should they decide to run. That's even after Trump formally launched his 2024 campaign this past week. New York Governor, or excuse me, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who isn't ruling out, ruling out a 2024 run, also said Trump's early announcement was creating no sense of urgency. It simply highlighted his weakness politically standing. He went on to say the AP, I think all of us understand how little of a factor he's going to be, Sununu said in an interview. He's not scaring anybody out. Anyone who wants to run is going to run. It'll be fun. It'll be a wide open race. Maryland governor Larry Hogan said it's much too early to worry about, you know, the field and narrowing it down, saying, quote, I think more voices, more potential choices is a good thing. Hogan, who is openly weighing a 2024 bid after his term ends in January, Trump needs to be tested. People need to go out there and be willing to stand up to him. Hogan also went on to say, I don't think anyone's going to listen to narrowing the field. Everybody's going to say, I should be the guy. I should be the guy. We should all be the guy. Christie, a failed 2016 presidential contender who then went on to lead Trump's White House transition that year, said he ultimately expects seven or eight major candidates to enter the race, which is manageable compared to the with the 16 who ran against Trump in 2016. Chris Christie said a lot of people 
A lot of those people who are fishing out of the Trump pond, Christie said, suggesting that prospects such as DeSantis and Mike Pompeo are MAGA guys who would still support from Trump base, Trump's base in a way that creates opportunities for others like him. Christie dismissed any talk of, you know, whittling the field down anytime soon, saying, quote, we should all rally behind someone. OK, who? I don't think any there's any obvious choice when responding to the idea that we need to hurry up and get behind one person. Trump advisors initially hoped that he might clear the field with his early announcement. They now believe a crowded field will help him by splitting the anti-Trump vote, just as was the case in 2016. Trump won the New Hampshire and South Carolina primary election that year with just 35% and 32% of the vote, respectively. Seven others divide the overwhelming majority of the vote. Trump's team notes that his loyalists in key 2022 primary elections from Arizona to New Hampshire to Pennsylvania won their GOP nominations with between 30 to 40 percent of the vote. A base of supported beliefs continues to be his floor in the 2024 primary. Former New Hampshire GOP chair Jennifer Horn, who led the state party in 2016, said the growing number of likely 2024 candidates should know better this time around saying, quote, they are feeding exactly the kind of environment that Trump needs to win. If past is prologue, we've all got reason to be concerned. And while there was evidence of Trump fatigue at the weekend conference, Trump received a warm reception when he appeared via via teleconference on Saturday. The crowd cheered loudly when he noted his success in moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. But there was notable silence when he repeated his baseless claims, the AP says, about the 2020 election loss when he said the election was rigged and it's too bad it was. And Israel lost a lot, Trump told the packed ballroom. You better hope that a certain person wins the election in 2024. And with Trump already a declared candidate, some operatives worry it's much later than his challengers think. The first presidential primary debate could be just nine months away. Using the 2016 presidential primary as a guide, by the summer of 2015, there were already 17 candidates in the race. One of them was Texas Senator Ted Cruz, who's considering another run in 2024, the AP reports. Speaking to reporters in Las Vegas, Cruz said Trump and his loyalists deserve some of the blame for the weaker than expected results in the midterms, saying, quote, I'm frustrated when my party fields candidates with no realistic chance of success, Cruz said. When asked about the 2024 presidential contest, Cruz said only there were several candidates clearly positioning to run, clearly positioned to run against Trump. I believe that voters can and should sort that out. Mike Pompeo, Trump's former Secretary of State, who is among those positioning themselves to run, slapped at the former president repeatedly on stage this weekend without mentioning his name directly. Instead, Pompeo said conservatives deserve leaders who fight for them, not ourselves or our own egos. And he acknowledged the looming 2024 primary by saying, who knows, the next time we're together, we could be on stage. Multiple podiums, Pompeo said. Who knows who else might be there and what nicknames we'll have. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. Please make sure you write us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast so that it will help us reach more people. And we will see you back here tomorrow. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 